Hi, everybody. Welcome to Just Gaming Things, where, where we bring the queer perspective on video games, gaming, news, and nerdy stuff. And I'm Jam, and here we have with us Chalora, Koga, Hi. Ruby, oh, Hello. and Spin. Hello. We're here. <laughs> We're here. Yes, episode three. Yum. We're here. We're killing it. Look at us. Very proud of us. We're doing great things. Yeah. Great things. Yes, yes. We really are. But Koga's back. True. Yeah, Hello. Koga's back, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> miss you. We missed yeah, you. Yeah, we missed last you last week, week Koga. Oh, I missed you all too. And also missed my internet. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, can only imagine. That's the worst. I can only imagine. For as bad as sometimes being on the internet can be, sometimes, you know, when you don't have it, you're like, what do I do with myself? What, yeah. what is yeah. life? What, what What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Losing the internet, the worst. Right. And you really think you're not dependent upon it, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait, I'm way more dependent on it than I ever thought I was. <laughs> we hate to see it. <laughs> hate to see it. But, well, I guess we'll go ahead and get into our first story. And since Koga's back, he will take us there. Yes. Goodness. <laughs> Alex Hutchison. Alex Hutchison, um, two days ago, uh, made a tweet over on the Twitters. Um, he is the creative director at Google Stadia sub Subdairy um, Typhoon Studios, and he said that he thinks streamers should pay game publishers and developers for a license to stream their games. Well, um, the tweet that he put out there was streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they used because they didn't pay for. Hold on because they use music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. It's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it. The real truth is streamers should be paying developers and publishers of the games they stream. They should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content they use. Um, so of course this blew up on Twitter, mm-hmm. and Maybe not so. a lot of people. Agree with it. <laughs> not a lot of people. So. Agree with it. Yeah, I do not. <laughs> I personally, I wouldn't pay to use a license, and if that's something that a developer or publisher feels that there's something we should start doing, uh, please let me know so that I can just not buy the game. But um, how do right. you all feel about that? Do you feel that we should be paying for a license just to stream the games? I, it's it's an interesting take because technically we are not allowed to make any content with anything that we don't legally own. So copyright wise, anyone can technically take our streams down if you know they decide that our that we're streaming their game and they don't like the way that we're streaming their game they can dmca take us down because they didn't technically give us permission to stream it uh that could happen with music that can happen with literally anything alerts emotes whatever it might be however at the same time there have been games that have 
streaming licenses in their terms of service. Uh, there are multiple games that say that you are allowed to broadcast the game as long as you don't broadcast it for the sole purpose of playing their music in the background. Uh, I know that for a fact for Kingdom Hearts, for example, that was a, a that was a thing that I remember seeing in the opening scene, like in the opening menu right off the bat. Um, and I'm sure that's the case for other games. Uh, I'm sure others have similar stuff like that. Um, and I think another thing is also like we're technically doing free promo for these games. Like if you think about live streaming and its relationship with the game Among Us, for example, one out of many is examples that we could give this year alone. Uh, I don't think that game would be as successful as it is if there wasn't such a huge audience on Twitch watching that game. And for there to be an audience to watch that game, there has to be a creator making that content. And um, we also know that there was a, a big issue with Nintendo because for a couple years there, Nintendo had a whole thing where they didn't allow anyone to make content out of their like IPs, like people couldn't legally stream their stuff, people couldn't legally make YouTube videos, and then they had a creators program people had to sign in for, and it was a whole thing, they had to get approved, and then they took a big percentage of their earnings anyway, it was a mess, and Nintendo definitely got a bad reputation from that, so I I think it's very silly, I think it it is, it's fair for like, if a, if a developer was like, hey, if you want to stream our game, you have to pay us like uh, a fee or a license or whatever it might be. And then it should be on the creator. Like, okay, I don't like Koga said, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to pay. So I'm not, I'm not going to stream your game. Enjoy your game. Have fun, but I'm not going to stream it. And I'm not, I'm not going to get it or whatever it might be. But uh, no, like developers benefit way too much from this. I have so much to say about this, so I'm going to let y'all go ahead before I take over this entire section. But yeah, um, what, do you, I, um, what do you think, Spin? I just, I have some thoughts. Okay. <laughs> also, I could, I could also probably rant for like a whole hour about this, but <laughs> I was just thinking like, because I know a lot of people were um, making comparisons to like, well, what if you streamed a movie on your twitch but like it's not the same thing because right with a movie like if you think about a movie um it's and like it's pretty much the same experience no matter who is watching the movie no matter like where you're watching the movie everyone's gonna have like the same everyone's gonna be watching the same movie right yeah. But if you're playing a game, it's an interactive experience. So, like, if I play a game and if you play a game, we're going to have different experiences. So, yeah. like, it's not the same content, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's just baffling to me that people would make that comparison, you know? Um, I also, I did pull up some tweets um, that I found really interesting uh, that were in response <laughs> Okay, so, um, in response to the original tweet, um, Jacksepticeye tweeted, I find this thinking extremely ironic, considering that you have a fan art of me, a streamer, as your banner from when I played Savage Planet. And sure enough, if you go look at Alex Hutchinson's Twitter banner, 
he does have a fan art of <laughs> he yep. does have someone else's art that is a fan art of Jacksepticeye on on his Twitter banner. He still has that there. And not only that, um, but I did pull up a tweet um, Find the receipt, from the original honey. artist. Yes, I did. I did pull up a tweet from the original artist um, who goes by at underscore or at rare underscore magpie on on Twitter uh, because we want to give proper credit because. I love this. This became a reading situation. Like we're just reading this, uh, this Alex individual. Read him for Phil. Read him for Phil. So this Twitter banner that he has. Funny thing is, um, not only is he using the fan art of you know a Let's Player who played one of his games, but he cropped the original artist's watermark out of the image and did not credit them. So he's using, he's saying this, oh, wow. he's saying, oh, you should, you should pay a licensing fee for streaming this game, but, and yet he's using stolen art and cropping the artist's watermark out of it for his Twitter banner. So interesting yeah. how that works. The hypocrisy is just like, <laughs> what? Love to see it. You know? Oh my god. I, I saw that on Twitter the other night and I was like, oh, I can't wait to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It's such an oh, interesting okay. conversation to have though cuz it's just like the the idea of you're saying that someone has to pay for a license to be able to use the content but in for the most part and for a lot of streamers they either get a free license from a developer to be able to play the game on a stream for for some bigger people and for smaller people they're buying the games themselves to be able to play and the conversation can be had about more you know smaller developers with games that maybe don't have as many choices where you're where it's solely to tell a story in a very linear path mm -hmm. um but also like it's just a very weird approach to take in an industry where we've already kind of seen one of the bigger names in the industry attempt to do this, Nintendo, right? They tried to push back against people playing their games and streaming them and showing content online. And then they eventually had to cave because enough people were like, this doesn't really make sense if, you're may if, if people are forced to pay $60 for a game and then you're telling them they can't play it online for other people when at the end of the day if we were to turn around and i did this at my house and bought this game and played it for 20 people who came over to my house one day it's the same idea they're just not here and it also kind of shows that they don't really know a lot of times what streaming is about especially like within the streaming space that it's not so much about specifically watching someone play a game so you don't play the game yourself but more to be a part of a community it seems like sometimes yeah. so it's just very interesting that you would take the approach of saying oh well what we're gonna do is say we should get rid of licenses or free licenses for games right because that's basically what he's saying it's like you're getting a free license for this game when in all actuality i pay 60 dollars to get this game to be able to play it so is it yeah. really free for me? So should I have to pay for it twice or am I just going to pay you for a license and then I can stream it? And how much is that license for? 
what control do you get over what I say in that content? Like, and that's the other thing. So it's very interesting. Yeah. And, and comparing it to other business is weird to me as well. And you touched on something very important as well. And that's something that I was going to touch on before I passed it over to y'all a little bit because I didn't want to monopolize the conversation. But uh, there are plenty of situations where developers will either reach out to you or there are websites where creators can sign up to either be paid to play a game or they can just sign up for a free key and you just play the game for you, you play the game for free. But you also have this kind of like not obligation, but uh, as a courtesy, you should make content out of it. And um, that's kind of the exchange there. So um I don't know if this person is just very out of touch with gaming and with the gaming community or if they just wanted a hot take for the sake of engagement on socials or something like that because um, these days I feel like it's so common for developers to just like almost beg creators to like stream their games and they appeal to them all the time and they have a bunch of stuff like beforehand where they kind of hype things up and they get deals with twitch they get deals with like youtube gaming and they do all these situations where there's emotes there's like front page slots there's all these things they get involved with charity streams just so they can appear at um like games done quick for example or other situations like that so um as far as the, the 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 movie comparison and the music comparison, you can always claim as well fair use. There's plenty of channels on YouTube that do reactions to movies. Obviously, they don't show the entire movie. They obviously cut out a lot of parts from it. But you can always you can also just be like, well, they're technically showing the movie, but also the content is transformative enough. Like it's not the concept is not just hey. Here I am showing you the game. Like, no, there's commentary associated with it. There's theories a lot of the times. If it's a story game, um, there's sometimes shenanigans that take place and you're just doing silly things while you play the game. There's speedrunning. There's, you know, plenty of different types of way to play one game. So I, I think it's very silly. What, what were your thoughts on this entire thing, Chalora, as you saw it? I think it's hogwash. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I'm going to have to pay for licensing, so usually how like things like this work, like if there's a mandatory cost to a, a craft or whatever on a platform, then they automatically have to start paying you because they know that there's an internal cost. So if I start paying for licensing for games, Twitch is going to have to start paying everybody who streams. Um, and then they're going to hinder who is allowed to stream. Like, you know, it's going to cause this rift of issues. Um, so I, I just think it's ridiculous. And um, I do know that they have a program now where you are allowed to watch whole films, um, as long as it's on Amazon Prime, mm -hmm. for example. But I think that's based on everybody is under a subscription service, right? Because you yeah. have to be a Prime member. And only I think only Prime members can watch with you or stuff. Yeah, it's Prime members and or like, yeah, you have to be a, a um, an Amazon Prime video subscriber 
and yeah. you also have to have that available in your area so not even not just stuff that has to do with you being a subscriber but also you have to have that licensed in your region or else there's like conflict there and you can't watch along with everybody else but kind of like jam said like you know if i invite 20 friends over what's the difference because like i don't know i i think also i i i if you're a speedrunner, obviously you're transforming the game into a different content because it's no like people aren't looking at the game anymore. They're looking at how fast the person playing is going. Right. If you take the speedrunner away, people will not care about the game the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Right. If if it is just no camera, no commentary, just someone playing the game, it's still more interesting than just like the developer playing the game, for example, because they've already done it. They know what's going on. Maybe this person is new to it. Maybe they've played it a thousand times. Maybe they, yeah, exactly. Who who knows what they're doing? Um, It's going to be different content than what was originally created. Um, Whether that's a creative game like Mario Maker, where you're actually making something in the Maker game, or it's very like cookie cutter. Um, I think it's always going to be a different experience, just like yeah. Spin Set as well. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I, video I gaming is something new. Yeah, it's just like video game. Like playing a video game is not this. Like it's meant to be this um, experience where you're kind of telling a different story, especially in games that allow you to make all of these different choices that aren't specifically just telling one single story right um like i feel like you know there 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 is some difference to i think sometimes the type of game and the style of game that could maybe be argued but at the end of the day a, a person who's creating content with the game is creating something different than probably what the developer originally intended in the first place a lot of the time right it's typically not exactly what the developer had in mind like, you know, when I play Paper Mario, you know, the developer wasn't expecting me to to fall into the hole in the ground all the time or whatever the case may be and and make jokes about it, right? That's not what they expected. They expected I would just learn the mechanic and go through it. So it, you're, you're creating a new form of content with with another piece of content. And so that's the thing to me that's interesting is that they're treating it as though you you aren't doing something with that content that it's not transformative in some way and that's the thing that i find weird about it i just also want to add that like oh um some games don't transform without the streamers or like people that glorify them yeah so like um Pokemon Puzzle League. It made a huge comeback in like what 2013 or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone remembers that at all, but like they had like a huge, I think it was like a world tournament or something for Pokemon Puzzle League. That game came out in like 1998 or something. <laughs> like, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> people went out and bought Nintendo 64s on eBay. People bought the game again. People bought controllers again. And like Nintendo could have taken advantage of that opportunity and i think that um 
probably one of the reasons we see a lot of these uh, remakes that they always resell on every fucking platform. Um, you know, Skyrim's been made like six billion million times. times. <laughs> right. It's because people show how glorifying and how, how wonderful it is. And so they're like, oh, people are still playing that. People still want that. People still like that, you know? Maybe we've got like Shirley Curry on YouTube, 97-year-old 90, lady playing Skyrim, being the cutest damn thing on the internet. And people are so like, wholesome. oh, I want to go. I want to go back and do that again. So um, people make the the games new again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's something to be said about how communities for games keep the games and the legacies and the IPs alive for a lot of these circumstances. And you could argue that content creators are either very responsible for that or that they are responsible for vocalizing it for big audiences right because like something could be going on 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 steam for example or and people are modding a certain game or whatever but if there isn't a content creator or someone to report on that then nobody outside of that community will know that that's going on like a huge example for that is left for dead too like they had a huge revamp of it and the developers didn't do it like it was because the community was modding the game and i think it, like the new update that they had was like with the new levels and everything was all fan made they just kind of gave it the go ahead um but you could argue that if people weren't streaming it if people weren't making youtube videos of it if people weren't keeping that name alive even online in the C in the SEO of things of like the searchability of it all. And if nobody suddenly cared about that game, then you could argue that, you know, that game will not be alive or they wouldn't be able to make a sequel to it. Or that studio wouldn't have enough interest to keep going and make a new game or whatever it might be. Um, so I don't know. It, it's such a weird thing to me that, they would say because with games it's also so complicated because like okay am i paying license for the in-game music am i paying license for the art am i paying like am i have to do i have to pay everyone <laughs> that made that game like how does that work and even like what or, like the origins of all of this was the fact that uh twitch uh had instructions from like uh record labels and they were pressured by record labels to dmca uh, to remove stuff in order to avoid the MCA takedown. So they removed some uh, clips from people. They removed some VODs. People have been told to, like, remove everything that may include any copyrighted material on it or whatever it might be. Um, and I think it is a valid concern. Like, obviously, companies, you know, will go after Twitch the same way that they went after YouTube for a while. Like... You can't just upload anything on YouTube without being concerned about copyright or about being concerned about it being taken down or whatever it might be. Um, but it's it's just two different experiences altogether. You could even argue with music that if you're doing a listen party and you're just like you're doing commentary on it and you're not necessarily just like listening to the song full on, that that's transformative enough. But, you know, of course, that's a whole other discussion. Um, and I think we can move on to um, a another story that has been kind of uh, having some interesting reactions online uh, for a different reason. So the first image of Tom Holland as Dr Nathan Drake 
uh, for the upcoming Uncharted movie have been, like, the first images have been released, y'all. Um, we have a little write-up from IGN, uh, from Matt Perslow. Um, so the first image of Tom Holland as Nathan Drake has been released, and he looks exactly how you'd expect. Uh Posted by Holland himself to Instagram and Twitter, the photograph shows him in a tan-colored shirt in cargo pants, a getup that's practically identical to the in-game counterpart. Uh, it's nice to meet you. I'm Nate, Holland wrote in his latest caption. Uh, additionally, Naughty Dog also posted another two images, an artifact slotted into a dusty wooden metal surface, almost like a key, and a book featuring an image of Portuguese explorer Ferdinand Magellan. I have, I'm, as a Portuguese person, side note, I don't know who that is. Story is not, history is not my forte. Regardless, continuing on. Um, the tweet is accompanied by a quote from Magellan. I don't know his name. I don't know. I don't know, huh? Um, Meet the shadowy future without fear and conquer the unknown. We know that the film will be a prequel to the Uncharted series of video games with a young Nate, Nate Drake accompanied by a young Victor Sullivan played by Mark Wahlberg. Um, so that happened. What did y'all think? Um, I was actually not... I was not upset. I was kind of neutral about it. I think Tom Holland is a cutie. So naturally, I was. I didn't look at the photo and I, and I wasn't like disgusted. I wasn't like torn apart or anything like that. I also don't have a huge relationship with the Uncharted series. I only played the first one. I own one through four, but I haven't gotten to streaming them yet. So I haven't. I've been waiting until I can stream those games. Um, but I wasn't, like, upset about it, but I have seen people very upset about it. They're like, this ruined my day, or like, oh, I have a, I'm not going to watch the movie because of this. He looks way too young, and, uh, I yeah, I honestly don't care. I want to see, like, a trailer. That's when I'm going to react to this, because until I see him in action, until I see if the vibes are working, if the chemistry with Mark Wahlberg is working, like, if... You know, all the characters work perfectly if the environment doesn't look cheap and all of that stuff. Like, that's that's going to be how I right. decide whether or not I'm excited about it. But, yeah, what did y'all think? Um, so, so for me, I think, I think my original reaction to it was like, oh, that's a little weird. Because, like, I'm, I'm also not super invested in the Uncharted series just because I haven't played as many of them. Um... And so I get the the he seems young, but now knowing that it's a prequel, it makes me feel a little less weird about it, right? Because that was my big thing is just like, it seemed to me that when you would see Nathan Drake in any of the games, he was always, he wasn't like older by any stretch of the imagination, but he definitely was not someone who, who looks Tom Holland's age, right? Tom Holland looks quite young. So it just kind of seemed like it didn't fit like he didn't fit what the character was supposed to be, but now it being a prequel to the whole series of games, I think is good. The other thing I'm slightly excited about is that it's a prequel. And so it's not trying to just tell the story of one of the games. It's telling you something somewhat original, something that's happened before that hasn't been shown to you. So I think it might make a successful video game movie, which makes me slightly excited, but I don't know how to feel about it because video game movies are, never really good 
So, um, I I don't know. I guess I don't I don't understand why people are mad. I like Tom Holland. You know, he he seems like a nice guy. He's a pretty good actor. He's funny, which I think Nathan Drake is supposed to kind of be funny and quippy and and that kind of character. So I think his acting style and just his personality fits the character. I just I, I people are upset for what reason? Like the, it's a movie. They didn't, you know, cast him as someone that he shouldn't be, like someone of a different race or anything like that. Like I, I don't know. I don't know. How does everyone else? Although, feel? let me just say, if we had a non-white lead for Nathan Drake, I would be here for that. Like, we don't need yep. another, you know, True. straight True. male white main character. I would be very here for it. But if people were upset about Tom Holland, I cannot even imagine the kind of reactions, unfortunately, knowing how gamers are. Uh, just from so. sometimes from cosplayers alone, they're like, um, I'm sorry, but Sailor Moon is not black. I'm like, excuse me, she's a fictional character. <laughs> like, <laughs> hello? <really> what? Like, <laughs> like, okay. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, People are crazy. I, I haven't played a, really a lot of the Uncharted series either. Like, I have them, like, the Nathan Drake collection, which I think was one, two, and three on my PlayStation account. But I don't currently have a PlayStation, so it's just up in limbo somewhere. <laughs> um, so as for the movie, um, I, I would have understood people being upset if it wasn't like a prequel and a younger Tom Holland, because that was kind of my concern at, at first as well. It was kind of like, he seemed like he would be a little bit younger, but if it's a prequel, it makes sense. I'm not sure why people would be upset about it. Um it's the, I wouldn't say it's a must-see because, um, as Jam said, a lot of these video game movies don't turn out very well. So I'll wait for a trailer to see how I feel about it and give it a shot. I'm not sure how because I'm not going to a movie theater anytime soon. So Right. But, <laughs> but it, it's it's something that I'm like, okay. I like Tom Holland, of course, because I'm a... I like Marvel movies, so of course I'm gonna know who he is from being Spider-Man. So I'll give it, I'll give it a shot with the trailer, and then I'll go from there. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of my thoughts on it too. Like, I like at first I was like, wow, he does seem kind of young, but now knowing it's a prequel, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. Um, I'm not somebody who's like really familiar with the Uncharted games, so I don't like know this character. Um, so, but, like, knowing Tom Holland from Spider-Man, I'm just like, why not, you know? Right. <laughs> that was kind of my thoughts on it. Why not? I think a lot of people it's just fine. weren't informed, or aren't informed, that it's supposed to be some sort of, um, not necessarily prequel, but I think it's supposed to be, like, an origin story kind of thing. Kind of like what right. they did with Tomb Raider, and they kind of casted a, a younger actress to play the, the the role for the latest movie that came out um mm -hmm. yeah i i don't know why people just don't let someone's creative vision just go through and then judge it you know because like even if they because they they have been pretty hush hush about details about the movie i feel like a lot of it is assumptions people are like oh i think it's supposed to be a prequel because they said it's an origin story but 
for all we know, they might just be taking liberties with the story anyway, and they might be removing some things from the games and implementing new storylines into the movies or something like that. And um, it's also to be noted that Nathan Drake progressively aged across the games. So, and, and movies tend to take a long time to get made. So it wouldn't be surprising to me that they chose Tom Holland as someone who is, first of all, kind of on a prime, like he's killing it, he's everywhere, he's doing amazing, but also someone who they can have for like, if the movie does well, they can have for a few more years and have like maybe a trilogy made and he can age, you know, he's going to age. Like it's, it's going to naturally happen. So I, I don't think it's necessarily, especially if he keeps working that hard with doing Spider-Man and doing superhero stuff and then being Nathan yeah. Drake, this is going to age. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about that. And also if they want to do like a time jump, they can just recast. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. how hard can it but be to they... be like, let's jump five years ahead and just cast someone else, you know, or 10 years or something. Yeah. I think the uncharted also falls into a similar realm that Tomb Raider does and where the central character kind of has this, ability to be a part of a bunch of different stories that don't all have to fall within the sites of a video game and so that lends itself to being something that can be used to tell more stories a little bit better and so it kind of makes sense that this is now especially with how popular the uncharted series of games was and is right like it's like tomb raider they never would have made a tomb made more tomb raider stuff if the games weren't so popular and then the movies made it even more popular right and then they were like okay let's make a new trilogy of games and another movie it's it makes sense like this is the series that i would expect to be made into a movie that could be made into a movie i think that's the thing that makes me intrigued is that the type of game that and story that they tell within the uncharted games is something that doesn't have to doesn't have to be what's in the game you can tell it a million different ways and still get something out of it um so i'm hoping that it is successful um tom holland will probably draw a lot of people as well so yeah you know. he's very charismatic which i think is gonna be good for him to have that role uh because nathan drake that's like a main thing i feel like um charisma is not something that is necessarily taught so it's one of those things where he's already familiar. He's already kind of nerdy as well. And being involved with Spider-Man, which is, by the way, the movie is kind of under Sony and, you know, Naughty Dog and PlayStation. I'm sure there's some sort of interesting tie in there. Um, so it's not super surprising. And I, I do think he's going to draw a lot of people in. Maybe they... I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong either with them wanting kind of a younger audience as well to get into it, you know? Uh, even though I feel like the games can be a little bit, um, not necessarily adult, but there's definitely like innuendos and stuff like that. But I think they I, I think they could e easily try to go for the same audience that would watch the Spider-Man movie or something like that, right? What did you think, Chalora? Yeah, Chalora? sure. Um... The Nathan Drake games are uh, uncharted territory for me. Mm. Boo, 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 um, boo. 
Where's the sound effect? Where's oh, wow. the sound effect? Oh, wow. <laughs> Kroga's gone. Kroga left. <laughs> but wow. I just kind of imagine it, you know, just like what you guys are saying. Um, basically, like, Tomb Raider. It's going to be the same stuff. Um, but who knows? Maybe they'll give them another movie, and then there'll be a love interest, and... Uh, I know Tom Holland has said, like, oh, I don't care, you know, whatever. It's like, well, use that, okay? Use that. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, I don't know. I guess it's, like, I, I personally just don't care. <laughs> yeah, no, that's valid. Like, listen, in a world where people are so polarized about everything, it's it's actually very nice to see people who are like, you know what? I actually don't really give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't have like, a strong really, opinion about that to be honest really not that important <laughs> whatever oh, but you do have a story for us don't you Chalora maybe so I do <laughs> maybe um, so is it story time so some original Fire Emblem games that were previously Japan only are coming to the Switch so we have a write up from GameSpot by Kevin Nezovic to, to help us discuss it. Uh, yes. Mario isn't the only Nintendo icon celebrating a notable birthday this year. 2020 also marks the 30th anniversary of the Fire Emblem series. Nintendo is commemorating the milestone by officially localizing the first Fire Emblem game for Switch. Is it the first? No. But anyway, <laughs> the company announced that it is bringing the series Famicom debut entry, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light which up until now has never been released outside of Japan to switch in English on December 4th. In addition to full English text, Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light will feature a few new modern conveniences, including a rewind feature that lets you skip back to a previous turn, as well as the ability to fast forward through animations. Nintendo has also added a save state function to the game. Um, so being a Fire Emblem fanatic myself, uh, this is not the first Fire Emblem game on the Switch. Just gonna, just gonna say that right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think they wrote um, it. I think they technically, I think they meant to write original yeah, Fire Emblem yeah. game on the Switch, but it just, it reads wrong. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, words. I'm a writer. Right? Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. I have, I, I love that they're kind of, so the first Fire Emblem game that came out in America was just called Fire Emblem. It didn't have a name. It didn't have like a subtitle. Um, and that was for the Game Boy Advance, like way back in like 2000-ish. Yeah. Um, and I fell in love with the series since then. Um, but like, you know, I grew up and I was like, there were other Fire Emblem games. Like, <laughs> like there was like 10 other games before that one. And they just didn't release them further than Japan. Um, and kind of the point of the game was that they were difficult. So um, with this Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light, I think they're going to make it a bit American. And by American, I mean easier um, <laughs> with this back function and the save state function. Um, they did do this once before with um, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, and it wasn't, I don't think Blade of Light was part of that so i i think this is technically either two games 
or a sequel to Shadow Dragon. I'm not 100% sure um, on the timeline for that. But they did do this before with Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, which was released on the 3DS, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was hot garbage. So, um, no wonder they're <laughs> just like, let's just bring back the original, you know? <laughs> so, should Nintendo be selling old titles rather than pulling them on their Nintendo online service? Um, and is there any older games that you'd like to see localized for the first time? Or what do you guys think? I, I thought, um, I was kind of concerned when I first saw it because they tweeted about it and they had a whole trailer with, um, with like Smash and how uh, the main character from this game made an appearance in the original Smash. But then like in the description, it said that the game had only come out in Japan. So then I was confused because I was like, oh, I thought the first Fire Emblem was the Game Boy Advanced one. So I was like, oh, is this like the original? Was the Game Boy Advanced version like a remake of that? But like, no, it's just a completely different game. Nothing to do with, with that. And because uh, this one came out in the NES. So years, be way before the Game Boy Advance. Um, I was kind of concerned about the price point. Uh, but then I saw it's like five bucks. But they do have like a deluxe or like collector's edition that comes with like a case. It comes with like um, an NES um, like case, I guess, that like with a, a little book inside of it and a whole thing. And I think they're selling that, if I'm not mistaken, for like 50 bucks or something like that. Um, so, so on that front, I'm like, okay, Nintendo, girl. Not that, but um, on on the other side, I think it's a pretty affordable price like for people to get into it. If they didn't do any changes to it at all and they just basically emulated it, I would be like, girl, just put it on the Nintendo online service. But because, well, I guess <laughs> the features that they added are technically features that they have on the Nintendo online service anyway. Like if anyone has never played... Uh, Nintendo basically has a thing where if you're a subscriber to their online services, you can play old NES and SNES games. And in there, they do have features for you to have save states and for you to like um, rewind a little bit. So they could technically just like ported the game and brought it over there. Um, exactly. But I don't know if there's any kind of shenanigans going on behind the scenes with like maybe the developing of a new F Fire Emblem game. And maybe they're like, let's just release this and keep them entertained <laughs> um, for a little bit and make it a big deal because maybe we don't have an announcement for a new one anytime soon because of COVID, obviously. Um, I would be very interested in playing this. I, I will probably get it. Uh, and I'll probably give it a try because I do enjoy Fire Emblem. I played it on, on like, I played that original one. Well, the first one that came out in the West, um, in GBA. Uh, and I've played uh, Three Houses. So I basically played the first one that came out over here and the last one that came out over here. So I'm definitely interested to getting into this one and, and seeing how it is. I, I loved uh, Shining Force. I grew up with that as well. So this seems like it's going to be closer to Shining Force than the modern Fire Emblem games, which is pretty exciting. Uh, but yeah, what did y'all what do y'all think about about this? 
I think it's like it's it's cool for fans of the series to who don't live in Japan to finally be able to play this game. Um, but yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. I think I think they're probably using this to kind of gauge interest for another Fire Emblem game coming soon. TM and <laughs> right. <laughs> we put our we put our tinfoil hats on. That's my conspiracy. Like this definitely feels like a move. That's like let's see let's see if we can get people talking about this. Like how how are people feeling about this series? You know, <laughs> right? That's just kind of my opinion. I don't really have any like huge uh, personal experiences with the Fire Emblem series. Um, so if I were gonna get into it, I would probably play Three Houses. Um, just to kind of have like that the more like recent like addition to the series um yeah i think i think this is going to be really cool for um for fans of the series who weren't able to play this game that's kind of my thought on it yeah uh by the way for clarification the price for the digital version which we didn't mention it's also a limited edition it's going to be available on december 4th (laughs) But a they did say that it's gonna be limited for the why like there there's a fine print why? at the bottom of the website that says Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light, which by the way is also the name of the game. That's just like the translation for that first game. So it it even though the game had a sequel, I think this is just like the the main one. So they're not even including the sequel with this. Um, will only be available for a limited time. Um, I hate it. I hate it. Here. I don't know why they keep why doing that. Why are they doing? They did this with, the, like, they did this with the the new the 3D trilogy, All Stars or whatever. Like, just why is it limited? Especially the digital I, release. I get the physical I went copy. Right. Bought it immediately because I'm a Nintendo mark. Like, <laughs> here's the thing: if you if you want to limit the physical copy to say, oh, we're only gonna limit because you know it's it's the anniversary edition you get the physical copy but a limited digital release makes no sense right no sense unless like which i assume what they're going to do with the three all-stars and mario is they're going to split them into three different games and charge you three different times for it mm-hmm. why why do that for this like i just don't it makes no sense i don't know what it is about fire emblem series but they always limit everything on it they think that Do it's like really? an unsuccessful something i know i don't know what it is but like they just always like oh we're only gonna release like just just a little pocket over here that's all no more <laughs> every single time that is very like, odd though. three houses like three houses was really big but uh the initial release people couldn't get it it's the same with the switch that's people crazy get it. but oh, yeah. uh, i think koga had a note that they wanted to say um well i don't i have don't have really any experience with the fire emblem series um what i was gonna say was is that i think that is good that they're bringing that over so that more people can experience it it's not you know gonna be well it is gonna be a pain to get now because what i was gonna say originally was that you know you make older games easier to get and that's something i've always been about because a lot of games get lost in time and they get really expensive so bringing that over here people can play it great but then you ruined it when you made it limited release on digital so you blew it right but 
but for people who are looking forward to it, I hope that, you know, they enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, I do have a more detailed situation from the Nintendo website for the anniversary edition. So the price is $49.99. Uh, and the collector's edition of the game will include a nostalgic, stylized, physical NES box and a replica NES game pack art piece with a protective sleeve that transports owners to the era of the original game's release. It, it also includes a 222-page Legacy of Arcania Deluxe hardbound art book and a game download code. It will be accompanied by an NES instruction manual, newly localized from the original <laughs> Famicom release, along with a fold-out world map and a mini Nintendo Power Retro Collectible. Oh my goodness. That's actually pretty okay, cool. It's for 50 bucks. That's yeah. Cool. That's actually pretty cool, yeah. but I don't know if I would Laura's face pay that different. much for it. I don't know if I would pay 50 <laughs> bucks for that. I just don't understand, like, well, I do understand, because Fire Emblem is a very collectible game. Like, if you go on eBay and you look up Fire Emblem um, Path of Radiance, it's like $1,000 sometimes to buy that game. Um, oh, so wow. they do like to make the game, like, more of a collectible rarity. Um, so I get that. But I feel like in terms of, like, uh, fandom... If it wasn't released in the West, how is anyone supposed to be like, oh yeah, the map of the game I didn't play, woo! Like, <laughs> right? Or like super hyped for the game? They don't know how good the game is. What you can't have to be nostalgic for it because like you didn't have that experience. That's true. That's actually. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I'm thinking some people will get it for the Nintendo Power Collectible because I know a lot of people collect those, but I. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, the game never released over here. So, like, why would people have a nostalgia and, like, oh, my God, I need the world map. I need all of these things. That's actually a really good point. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I just want the money. They do. Uh, I actually... Yeah, it's not just the game, though. Right. For the 50 bucks. Right. I, I do have a theory that... For the, we we kind of talked about the Nintendo All Stars thing. I have a theory that they're going to be remaking those three games at some point, and that's why they just wanted to give people a little bit of a glimpse. And um, I wouldn't be shocked if Nintendo, for the rumored 4K Nintendo Switch version, that they would have like Mario uh, Mario 64 remastered remake kind of thing as like a launch title for that. I wouldn't be shocked if they came out with that and i wouldn't be shocked if like maybe next year or the year after they announced a literal remake for this game like full 3d graphics kind of situation basically the three house treatment to the original fire emblem i wouldn't be shocked if they did that at some point either and that's why they're limiting the release um but wow. it's so weird like why like i agree fully with koga on this like i hate that in a lot of situations like games have to be like you have to rely on piracy to keep games alive for a lot of stuff and you have to rely on fan translations and shit like that so to me it, it is upsetting that nintendo chooses to 
in one hand make stuff available, but then they're like, well, but it's only for a short period of time, right? And it's not like they're necessarily telling people how long it's going to be available for. Like, they, they said that the game is going to be coming out in December, but, like, they didn't say that it's going to be available for the entirety of December, like, if it's going to be only for a year, for a month. Um, it, it it really... It's, it's, it's anti-consumer as well, because it's like, have you seen 2020? Like, have you experienced 2020, Nintendo? Like, are you just expecting people to drop everything to buy a luxury item like a video game? Like, video games, I feel like, um, unless you buy from people who are very consumer-friendly, like Xbox, for example, with Game Pass, um, or, like, you know, you could argue that, like, Steam or Epic Games, they have the free games and stuff like that. Steam has a lot of affordable sales and stuff like that. You would assume that, you know, people would try to be more consumer-friendly, but this is very anti-that, because it's like, well, if you don't buy the game within that time, too bad. Well, you know, maybe maybe they don't want to spend money on games right now, you know? But yeah, anyway, Spin does have another Nintendo story. Okay, before I get into that, I will just say, if that conspiracy turns out to be right, and they made Nintendo made me pay 60 of my US dollars <laughs> for Mario 3D All-Stars, and then they remaster them, like, next year, I'm going to be pissed. Here's the thing. <laughs> If they release a new updated version of Super Mario Sunshine, I will lose my mind because I love that game so much. Yeah, but I mean, I will probably also agree. buy it because they got me. Like, I will buy Super Mario Sunshine, but I understand being upset. I'm going to be mad about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be mad about it, but I will probably still give them my money. <laughs> Yeah, that's how they get you. Yeah, that's the Nintendo thing. Like everybody is always like, should we be buying these games that are essentially just like emulated versions of their old games? Maybe so. And then Nintendo was like, well, you fell for it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of being mad but giving Nintendo money anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo. Well recently dropped the price of their single jo single replacement Joy-Cons from $50 to $40. And we have a write-up here from The Verge by Heimgartenberg. Uh, Nintendo is dropping the price of buying a single Joy-Con controller down to $39.99. That's $10 less than the $49.99 the company originally charged for single controller replacements. The newly priced Joy-Con will be available starting on November 9th. Interestingly, Nintendo appears to be only discounting two very specific models of its controllers, a right Joy-Con in red and a left Joy-Con in blue, exactly matching the two controllers that are included in Nintendo's default blue-red Switch queue. So... <laughs> Nintendo, please. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I saw that and I, was, I immediately thought, like, oh... They're giving people what they ask for, like, right down to the letter and nothing more. They're, they're like, oh, so people want to just replace, be able to replace the Joy-Cons on their, their Switch without having to pay an extra $10? Oh, well, we'll just make it so that it's only the default ones. <laughs> right. We're going we're gonna to be that petty and just do it down to exactly to the letter of what people were asking for. But yeah, what do y'all think about this? Um, what do y'all think about... Is, is this any kind of solution to 
the infamous Joy-Con drift problem? Like, <laughs> what are no. your thoughts on that? Tomfoolery <laughs> is what it is. It's just straight up tomfoolery and robbery, and they know what they're doing. They're just like, we're not going to fix it. We'll just charge you $10 less, give you one, and you get one option. Right. And it's always going to be the blue one, because the blue one is the one that has the problem with Joy-Con drift. If you have that, it's only the left one. <laughs> So silly. And it's like, oh, we're doing you a favor because we're charging you $10 less for it. But then you're going to have to buy another one once that one gets Joy-Con Drift. Right. Fix it and charge me $10 less. And then I might not be mad at you. Right. But if I have to buy another one six months from now, isn't doesn't that break too, though? Doesn't that have Joy-Con Drift as well? Not <laughs> sure. Yet. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> oh Nintendo. Okay. Well, I guess I'll go get that instead. <laughs> yeah, maybe we just all get pro controllers. I mean, listen, I wouldn't be shocked if that's what they they wanted us to do all along. I think this is such a silly thing. Like I was like, okay, come on, this cannot be their solution to this problem. But then I thought, it's Nintendo, so it definitely is exactly what they thought. They're like, this, surely this is not going to be an issue anymore. We made it $10 less. Surely people won't be complaining about that. Um, it, <laughs> it's what, um, we do these episodes live on Twitch, and it's what uh, Dextralicious in chat said. We're not changing the production of the Joy-Cons, but you can buy them individually now. It's essentially what Nintendo said. And it's like, why haven't they addressed that issue? Like, sometimes they are like, oh, I don't see any issues. Hello? I don't, I pretend not to see it. Like, what? What are we, what is everybody talking about? It's. My mind is drifting. <laughs> <laughs> And so is everyone's Joy-Cons, apparently. Uh, go ahead and end the stream, everybody. <laughs> We're done here. Suddenly we gotta go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have any other thoughts about this. I don't think this solves the issue at all. Because like, like y'all said, like if people keep getting that same one that keeps getting the issues and then they just eventually have to replace it down the line, by by paying another thirty nine ninety nine, then is that really fixing the issue, or is that just putting more money into Nintendo's pocket, which in turn they're not using at all to fix the issue? So it's like, who's winning in this situation? Yeah, it it makes no sense, and Chalora is probably right in that it's gonna that they're like, well, the Pro Controller doesn't have this issue, so might as well yeah. go ahead and. Hey, I don't even know how much the Pro Controller is. I'm shocked Granted, they haven't I can't said anything. that before. <laughs> pro Controller is like $90 or something. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I can't, I can't say anything. Like, I bought the the equivalent to, you know, Xbox's Pro Controller, but I play Xbox all the time, and it's, it is just a better version of the normal Xbox controller. But the normal Xbox controller doesn't have a problem in the basic manufacturing of it. Like, I can I can use it just fine. Having that is just something I chose to do, but like if it's oh I've got to go to this more expensive controller to be able to not have this problem of Joy-Con drift when I want to play it in handheld mode, you know, or whatever the case may be, it's kind of ridiculous. Watch us all be wrong 
like a week from when now they actually fixed it when no 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 when they like release like individual colors for like flashy new colors and stuff like that for like the original price of <laughs> you know what i mean like they're gonna go for like 49.99 but they're like but these ones are yellow <laughs> they're already doing that i mean <laughs> yeah i wouldn't it's be only the ones that got discounted <laughs> exactly but like the individuals you know what i mean like they're going to be giving you other other colors and then it will put this all to shame and everybody's going to be like oh wow they weren't just trying to fix it they just literally were coming up with a new product and they decided to ch change the the pricing of that very very interesting decisions on a weekly basis from nintendo but um people we People still love them, so they're gonna keep Nintendoing as long as people keep buying. I guess. Um, speaking of uh, what we're buying and what we're doing and what we're playing, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what we've been up to when it comes to the um, our gaming teams. Can I just what? say though? Oh that, no! What um... happened? <laughs> so, I just wanted to say uh -huh. that. The 3DS was a perfectly great console. <laughs> never ever had a problem with my 3DS. I've never had a I've never had drift. I've never had yeah. replacement. I've never had issues with the 3D. I've never had a problem. I never lost my stick. Yeah. Because it had a little clicky thing at the back. Like Nintendo. It was very well made. Nintendo knows how to make mobile consoles. Like that was their mm -hmm. niche because Sony and Xbox had their home consoles and they tried the PSP and they couldn't do it. Why? Because Nintendo had the mobile consoles. Yep. They they owned the mobile console. Mm -hmm. And what could you do while you played your 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 PlayStation? You could play your 3DS while right. you were playing because it's a mobile console. So they had full reign over that and they said, "Oh, let's take our mobile console brand and make it a home console." at the same time and it was like this is hot garbage right so i just feel like nintendo um is cheapening their stuff because obviously this wasn't manufactured to the top tier that we expect um their mobile consoles to be um and it's interesting i think that i think that it's that way because like they have the the success of their other um thingies they always like split off. Like the Pokemon company is a different company. Right. Yeah. It became so successful. It was like, okay, bye. Yeah. We're still with you, but like we're over here now. Doing our we're own over, thing. Yeah. We're being really successful over here by ourselves. Yeah. Um, so you have fun making the shitty console and uh, <laughs> keep it up because if you don't keep it up, Pokemon will fail. Um, but Koka, did you have something to add? I just wish Nintendo would do better. It's like they they've done so many good things. They've done some messed up things too. But like I've had so when the Switch was about to come out, I had high hopes for it and I felt that they've done great with it. Not perfect, but great. And it's like now you're having an issue with the controller and instead of like just fixing it or just, you know, letting people know that you're trying to find a solution, you're just like buy this one and Nintendo, what are you doing right now? 
Like you're doing yeah. good, but you're also just doing some stuff that's making me shake my head. Yeah. And yeah. I hope at some point they fix this because this is not something that people should have to deal with when they buy a product. You shouldn't have to worry about, okay, is it going to start drifting? And then I have to go buy another one. You know, at least, you know, do something, fix it, some type of, you know, options out there. I try to fix it at least. Yeah. It just seems yeah. like they're not really trying, which is the worst part. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Right. Well, it's over. Well, it's not over at all. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we're done here. No, just kidding. No, we're Nintendo here. is not going anywhere, y'all. No matter how many times we we talk about them um, in a negative or a positive light, they they have uh, to be to their credit, they have uh, survived through generations and decades and. Uh, uh, so that's that's good on them. But yeah, what have y'all been playing? I actually have played um, a, I have played a game on the Switch and it wasn't the best experience. Um, but it wasn't Nintendo's fault. So here's what happened. So I tried the new Kingdom Hearts um, Melody of something. It's their rhythm game, Melody of Memory. They have a demo out everywhere the game is going to be available for. And I happened to try it on uh, on the Switch because I was already playing it. Um, and I was like, oh, let me just download this and give it a try. And the game is okay. Like, the music is wonderful, obviously. So for a rhythm game, that's going to be the main juice of it. Like, is the music good? Yes, amazing. My, I like that it almost works like um, like you're fighting. Like the characters, what basically the game what what the game looks like is like they're running towards basically a tunnel, and it shows like the background from the worlds that correspond to the music that is playing in the background. And you're basically fighting monsters, and when you're fighting the monsters, it, you fight them on beat with the, what the music is happening in the background. Um, my issue with it is that there are certain things that flash on screen that are very reminiscent of the PlayStation uh, symbols on the controller. So you know when you play Kingdom Hearts, like there's like there's like a rectangular figure that pops up when you have to press rectangle to do a special ability. And there's like a cross kind of thing that shows up that resembles the X button on on PlayStation as well. So what happens is when you have those symbols that are so iconic to the Kingdom Hearts series, but then you play it on the Switch, you're like, oh yeah, I have to press the equivalent of rectangle, uh, of uh, triangle, excuse me. And I have to press the equivalent of X. And it just felt off to me that I was playing Kingdom Hearts on the Switch, but the prompts weren't necessarily aligned with the buttons that I'm supposed to be pressing on the Switch. Like, the button prompts weren't necessarily telling me, like, oh, press... Like, they weren't telling me to press buttons that weren't on the Switch, but it's just like the... Let's be real. If you're playing a video game and there's a green light that flashes in a semi-triangular form, what are you going to associate that with? not the fucking Y button. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to associate it with that. So it was a very odd experience. I'm going to give it a try on PS4. 
because uh, I'm I assume it's going to be a different experience on there because the button prompts are going to make more sense with what's flashing on screen. Um, so that was a not so positive experience that I had. Um, another experience that I had uh, was actually um, a Mario All-Stars situation, but it wasn't the new one. It, it's uh, on the SNES online service that they have. And it's basically like a remake that they did for the SNES of the first three Mario games. And with like cute graphics and it's like upgraded as if the games came out on the SNES. And the graphics are so cute on that. It's such an enjoyable experience on it. And I was playing it until I lost progress. And I was so far into the game, into the third game. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to play this anymore. Because <laughs> I forgot to save before I, I, like, I closed my, the app. And I, I didn't have a save state for it either. So I was like, well, it's over. <laughs> um, other than that, I keep playing Genshin. They just have the new, they, they updated the new panels. And I haven't gotten Klee yet. She's the new headlining girl on the scene. I haven't gotten her yet. Um, mm -hmm. I got a new friend though, but uh, I, I keep getting like, um, like duplicates. That's my that's my thing. I keep getting duplicates. I got Barbara again. I got um oh my god, what's her name? Not Amber. Noelle. I got her again. I was like, can it can you just give me the new characters, please? Like it's bad enough that I didn't get Venti on that first thing, but uh I did get a new one. I got um uh, Zinkyu. He's um a sword water boy with very, yeah. very short shorts. And um, I, and funny enough, it coincided with me playing the storyline that he's a part of. And I was like, oh, that's very odd. I just got him as a character and now I get to play him as a trial. Um, so that was an interesting coincidence. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, I'm still playing Resident Evil 2 and uh, I'm, I'm getting very close to finishing Leon Kennedy's storyline, which is great. Uh, I'm loving everything about it so far, so I'm excited to get into Claire's perspective soon, hopefully. Um, Spiritfarer, I, I also played a little bit of it, but nothing, uh, yeah, nothing to, nothing to report here about that one. But yeah, what, what are y'all doing? What are y'all playing these days? Uh, I am, I started... Genshin Impact finally. Ooh. <laughs> um, like barely for a little bit, and then I stopped. Oh, but well. I am gonna play it today. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, how are you liking then, it? Uh, so far so good. I I feel like I can't really say that I like like it a lot because I like barely started it and then kind of got sidetracked having to do some other stuff for like um school and things but um i'm it's so far so good it looks great the music is great i want to play it more so there we go uh i've been doing so i've been started that also playing um resident evil 7 more i'm i think most of the way through that story and that's been fun playing that again and then Dead by Daylight, of course, because I'm obsessed. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah, well, um, 
you know how like last week I was just like, you know what? I kind of fell off Genshin. I'm just like, I don't know if I... it's taken over my life again. Um, it got me back. <laughs> they got you. Oh, they got no. me. The new banner. I just, I just want, I just want all the new characters, but I keep getting doubles. And that's basically the story of my life so far on Genshin. I've gotten a bit further into the story. I think I'm like adventure rank, like, like 12 or 13 or so. Um, and I am really enjoying it. I've been playing it pretty much every day so, so far for the past week. And um, hoping I can get some new characters. I would love that. <laughs> yes, let's manifest that. Manifest new characters. New character summoning circle. Um, manifest that. <laughs> love that. Um, but I've also been playing, um, just a little bit though, the, um, the new Pokemon DLC, the Crown Tundra DLC that came Ooh. out a couple days ago. Yes. Um, I've been I've been super super busy the last couple days uh, for unrelated reasons, um, so I haven't gotten like a, a chance to play all of it or like get super super far into it. But I'm really enjoying um, what I'm playing so far. The concept of the Dynamax adventures is is like an interesting way to do the legendaries, in my opinion. Um, like it's normally. When you're when you're going for a legendary in a Pokemon game, it's like you got to go to this cave and they're in this place, and you got and that makes that makes more sense like with the canon of the story. I will say that it's kind of weird that like all of these legendaries are like chilling out in this one cave, like they all like are having a party together in the Crown Tundra. <laughs> I love that. But, so, you know, just a little party. But, if you don't think too hard about it, it's an interesting way to get the legendaries and like make it make it in a way so that you don't have to take up the entire area with like, oh, here's this cave for this one and this cave for that one, you know? Um, so, so far I have Suicune and uh, Articuno and I'm, ho I'm lo looking forward to getting more. <laughs> nice and exploring more of the story um yeah what's what's everyone else been up to so unfortunately i haven't been playing um genshin impact like everyone else uh, <laughs> last time my internet was out right. and when i'm on my phone i'm usually playing dokkan like this phone has officially been dubbed my dokkan device so i do i still like it just that i haven't been able to have the time to play it but i still collect like um my dailies and whatnot, so I'm at like six thousand per whatever they call it, per per paragrams. Y'all know what I mean. Leave me alone. I have six thousand <laughs> of those. So at this point, I'm just saving them up for when I, you know, get back into it, and then I'll probably summon on like a really good banner. Because as a as I know of right now, you don't like need to summon to progress. So I'm just gonna wait for right now. Um, this past Thursday, I did start playing um, Doom Eternal's first DLC, The Ancient Gods Part 1. I love this game so much. I haven't played it since it came out back in March. Um, I ran through it, and it it is so much fun to play. Um, it's very fast-paced, the soundtrack is amazing, and there's get so many weapons and so many options, and you're just... it's very intense. 
So the DLC just came out earlier this week, and you would think, like, you know, DLC, okay, it may ease you in a little bit. No. It pretty much just acts like you just finished beating the game like an hour ago, and it just starts throwing everything at you, which I'm not mad about, but I died quite a few times. (laughs) But it's playing it again... It's, it's been so much fun. Like, it's probably been one of the best games I've played this year. I've been very happy with the Doom series for the most part, especially since they brought it back in 2006 with... 2016, rather, um, with that game. And th- this game just re- really didn't disappoint. It's, it's up there. It's one of my favorites currently. Nice. What about you, Chalora? Um... I maybe have only been playing Genshin. <laughs> well, well, all week I've been doing some performance stuff, um, editing and all that junk. And when I'm done, I'm just I just want to play something easy and yeah. fun and fruity and um, bubbly. Right. Um, so I'm at the humble, very humble level. Of thirty-four. Ooh. Super humble. <laughs> Love that. Um, and I saved I saved up lots of gems and uh I did four summons of ten, so forty summons, and I still didn't get Klee. Oh no. Sad. But remember that if you get duplicates it's still good because you get the constellation yeah. potions and you can make your character stronger. Right. Which is fun. Yeah, but- New girlies. This is good to know. Exactly. Good to know. But I'm also like, I want the new girlies. <laughs> I know. But you still, you can, you get to try them at least, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, you can try Klee through the event menu or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you reach 32, 35, and then 37, if you do your commission quests every day. <laughs> You can get keys that let you try those characters and you get to experience their stories, um, which is fun too. So I just tried Jaw and she was super fun. Nice. Other than that, I uh, played Overcooked 2 and that was uh, an experience. Nice. Overcooked is so stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, how how do people play this one player? And then sometimes you have a map and you're like, how do you people play this two-player? And then... <laughs> so. Yeah. I, as someone who worked in the food industry, I'm like, I don't know if I want to go into Overcooked because I don't know if I want to relive that. Um, <laughs> Valid. But, but it, like, it does sound like a very fun co-op myself. experience, to be fair. Um, yeah. When I worked at Power Redacted... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I was like a one-person army. Like, I took the orders, I put the bills in, and I made the drinks. It was super quick. It took no time. So, for me, I'm like, I want to get all the things done. And, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. You know, like, you can't. Right. Throw lettuce across, like, a rift in the earth. <laughs> Not a rift in the earth. <laughs> but I do like that you can, like, throw directly into the frying pan. Oh from across the map i love that. yeah just check it just i wish i could do that irl um, there's probably situations like that where people definitely do that 
um, because it's a very stressful environment working in the food industry. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. I, I love everybody's different uh, gaming experiences right now. Of course, Genshin's still taking over. Um, <laughs> Three fifths of the <laughs> of the podcast, almost four, almost four fifths of the podcast, um, and we love to see it. Um, uh, before we go, um, where can people find y'all? What is everybody? Um, what is everybody up to? We can go Chalor and then alphabetical order to make it easier um. for everyone. If you dig a hole in the ground and you feel like you've hit a different kind of earth um, and it's a little smelly, that's where you'll find it. I... <laughs> I love that. And what, what what will people find you doing in that hole? <laughs> you'll find me over on twitch.tv slash Shalora uh, in the most inconsistent of times. Same. Um, Trying to still finish Paper Mario and the Origami King. Ooh, what a journey. How how far ahead are you in it? I am, I assume, two-fifths of the way through because of the there's five streamers or whatever you have to defeat. Oh. So I'm going to say that I'm two-fifths, but I'm probably two-sixths. Right. No spoilers, everyone. <laughs> What about you, GM? Where can people find you on the socials? Uh, you, you can find me uh, at jam underscore 5899 on Twitch.tv, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I Right now, mostly, you'll find me sitting at my lab bench doing failed experiments over and over <laughs> and over again, telling myself that it'll all be okay. Um, Aww. And then no, I'm. I'm it's fine. No, it will be I, okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's all on fire, but it's fine. <laughs> um, and and you'll catch me playing Cuphead this upcoming week on my Twitch channel. Nice, Koga. All right, so you can find me at Koga underscore Jangles at um, Twitter and also Twitch. Um, I should be back live again this upcoming Monday, continuing um, the Doom Eternal DLC. Um, I'm aiming to do Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, but it really just depends on what else is happening. Um, and then maybe some Sunday mornings. I'm not 100% sure yet because I'm not a morning person. But like <laughs> at my previous apartment, I would wake up and the sun was out, and I'm like, huh, what a lovely day to play some old school games. But now here, I'm like, there's a window here, and there's like a hallway, and I don't feel that way no more. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it. What a situation. Sometimes it really is like that. For people who are not watching this, we have a special appearance by Lola, and she just flew and off, <laughs> and she just flew off. The second she got a dress, <laughs> she was like, "I'm, I, you don't see me. I'm not here. No longer. No longer can okay. you see me." Um, <laughs> you can find me at Project Ruby on Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, those are my most, uh, I guess, active um, platforms that I'm in. Um, right now, like I said, I am playing through Resident Evil 2. I am playing through Spiritfarer. And I just recently started a game called Wicked Willow, actually, which I forgot to mention. And it's um, a game, a visual novel about queer witches. There's some... Uh, 
lesbian storylines, there's trans storylines, a little bit of everything. So uh, there's a ton of different endings as well. So I am excited to get into it a bit more. For full disclosure, I also, um, the developer of that game did reach out to me to play it. So um, take that as you will. So I'm, I'm playing that on my personal uh, channel. Um, and yeah, uh, what about you, Spin? I am living over here in um, Dog Barking Central. I love uh, it. <laughs> and you can find me <laughs> on, on Twitch at SpinBlend, on Twitter also at SpinBlend. And I've been playing a lot of a lot of Pokemon. We've been doing a lot of shiny hunting for a certain pumpkin boy or pumpkaboo. And we haven't found him yet. It's been almost 500 eggs. I might be having an existential crisis about oh it. Tune in to find out. <laughs> <laughs> you also may or may not have a, a very uh, fun announcement for the podcast listeners, yes, right? Yeah. A, maybe maybe a certain shop that you want to talk to us about? Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dropping hints. So, We're dropping hints, Your mm -hmm. Honor. Dropping hints that I have a shop. Yes. Um, okay, so this week I did release, or I did launch officially my uh, soap shop, Spin Soap Cafe. Um, I know I've mentioned on here before that I, I do uh, make soap, and I've been working on a shop for months and months, and it's finally here. So I have five soaps in there right now it's all like coffee and dessert inspired uh soaps and i'll be making a lot more on stream I'll, they'll have a lot more in the shop coming soon uh so yeah you can find it on etsy at uh spin soap cafe yeah so much should i eat it i no you can eat it <laughs> No eating. You're the not soaps. allowed to eat it. No, no eating. They do look very yummy. I'm not gonna lie. They are dessert inspired. However, I am not responsible if you go to the hospital for eating the soap. However, do not Legal eat it. Don't don't you do don't it. Don't eat it. Don't be tempted by the wonderful smell, the wonderful fragrance. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you can find us at Just Gaming Teens on Twitch and Twitter. Uh, we were going to be streaming Crash, but there were some technical difficulties, which we hopefully, hopefully will. We'll do that this week. Yeah, we'll figure them out as soon as possible, and we can get that going for y'all. Uh, turns out, uh, you know, our our streams are a little bit harder than a regular stream because we do have a commentary uh, co-host and all that stuff. So we we're trying our best, y'all. We're trying our best. But the weekly podcasts happen every single Saturday on Twitch. We do it. We do, we do them live. Can you believe that? Uh, you probably can. You, there's stuff going on on screen all the time. There's um, <laughs> it's you. You can probably tell that this is live, but it's okay because it adds a little a little bit more fun to it, if you will. Um, we're also available on podcast services such as Spotify so make sure to follow us on those uh, listen to the podcast on there uh, we go live every week on Saturdays at okay I'm just gonna say my time zone and then y'all can help me out with your time zone so it's uh, 6 p.m. Uh, BST which I actually think is gonna change soon because it's no longer gonna be summertime it's a mess time is a flat circle it's like 1 p.m. 
eats, 1 p.m. for me and Chalora. Yes, which is Eastern and then, Standard. And then 12 p.m. Central? Central. There you go. Yep. Same and here, then, 12 p.m. Central. There you go, everybody. Time Times are <laughs> going to change because, you know, the, the summer times are ending. So just stay tuned, okay? We're going to be... Uh, we're going to be keeping you uh, notified. But yes, everybody, we're going to be back next week with a new episode. We will see you then. We're getting closer and closer to the new consoles generation. So uh, there's going to be plenty of stuff for us to talk about in the next upcoming weeks. So we'll see you then. Yeah, like two weeks. Right? Oh. <laughs> That's going to be a chaotic month. Cannot wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cannot wait. Bye, y'all. See y'all next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye.